All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 39. Um, you know, I'm conscious um, on special days that it is hard to decide what to preach. A lot of times you want to preach um, something on the church or you want to preach on, you know, let's keep on soul winning. And uh, the Lord allows allowed me to continue the series I've started several weeks ago. I'm still going to preach on the will of God. If I know anything, I know it's the will of God as a son of a drunk when I was 11 and a half years old to be born again. If you're not saved, it's the will of God for you to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. I know it's the will of God that I got right with God on my teenage years after I heard a message on Romans 12, 1 and 2 and get serious about God and uh, surrender my life. And then I know it's the will of God that I uh, was called to preach and be in the ministry full time. Uh, a couple of years ago, I did this, and I don't, I don't like to do numbers a lot, but um, I counted up, and there was over 48 people in full-time ministry that's come out of this church. And so that's the fruit of the church, amen? And, you know, I mean, uh, people were calling me all week. Brother Tony texted me this morning. He's out preaching, and a great preacher down in uh, um, Covington, Georgia. And then Brother Chris Hanks over there in uh, uh, Grand Junction, Colorado, and just so many people, and all the missionaries out of our church in full-time ministry and a lot of their children in full-time ministry and that's a blessing. So I know it's the will of God 43 years ago for me to come to this town. Never been to this town before, didn't know one soul, went up on the mountain and we prayed over the lights, that's where Brother Austin got that, and uh, we prayed over the lights and, uh, and said, Lord, is this the town? And I didn't know, uh, you know, I never pastored before, I was assistant pastor, my preacher let me off every Thursday to survey Georgia. We went everywhere just looking and, and praying and driving down roads and going to a chamber of commerce and seeing what kind of town this was and all that. And I uh, checked out Gainesville on the uh, day of Thanksgiving, 1977. And then checked out Dalton on uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, it was dead over there in Gainesville because everybody was in the house eating the chicken or the turkey. And then here it was booming. And J.C. Penney's and Bryman's Plaza was just packed. I said, boy, this is the town, amen? J.C. Penney's is packed. Of course, it's uh, Black Friday. Why wouldn't it be packed, amen? And then if I looked across the street, I'd seen that old white house that they used for the haunted house before uh, that February we came. And I remember I knocked on doors for three weeks and with the help of Miss Lisa. She's threatened everybody that she would kick them out of the apartment complex that I moved into if they didn't come and encourage the young preacher in number 16. that they, She felt so sorry for us that we would have two or three people show up. And to my amazement, 29 people climbed those steps. I'll never forget uh, that Sunday school lesson I taught and then on the power of the Word of God and then I preached on the Gadarean maniac. I don't know why I preached that on that. Uh, but two were saved that day. Uh, those two that were baptized first was Connie and Bruce. Connie was bigger than Bruce. And, she, and when she grabbed him, I said, good night. She's going to pull him back. And what she said with tears says, you're not going to go down that aisle. It was only a four-foot aisle. So I heard everything. It was a 12 by 15 room. Unless you take me with you because I want to be saved too. They both got saved, husband and wife. <laughs> Praise God. 
and I didn't know if I was going to get them up or not after the baptism. Uh, I think it was over at South Dalton Baptist Church, Brother Gary, and uh, they let us use the baptistry. And then we went to the Conestoga River, and I baptized Miss Ray downstream, and I couldn't get her up. That was my first one in a river baptism. You don't baptize people downstream. And I pulled her up after much effort, much effort. She was about in her 60s then. She just died about three weeks ago in the 90s. And um, I asked Miss Ray, I said, Miss Ray, are you glad you say? She says, I'm just glad I'm alive. Amen. About drowned her, about killed her. My first baptism in a river. Didn't know you were supposed to baptize upstream or whatever. Anyway, and I'll never forget one time we had baptism in Conestoga River and I slid into the, down the bank and went in and went under the river. And I was soaking. I said, this is not the, this is not what I studied about the ministry. Amen. Nothing was going right. And um, boy, God is blessed. And I appreciate you. Appreciate your patience. Appreciate your prayers. I just appreciate God. And I appreciate that he called me to preach and called me to pastor. I love, I love this. I just love it. I hope you can tell I love doing this. And um, I know I need to retire and get out of the way, but I just love the ministry and I love people. And I uh, thank God for you. But I want you to notice a phrase in the Bible that's mentioned one, two, three, four, five times. Now in the funny Bible, you're, those NIVs and stuff, they don't have this word or this phrase but it's day by day. If you want to learn how to enjoy and, and be in the will of God and be fruitful in the will of God, it must be with this phrase, day by day. And what I've decided to do, uh, the Lord's going to let me, uh, I want to preach every time the word day by day is mentioned. And this morning is on how to win the warfare. First mentions are very important. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 39, and I want you to look at just uh, one verse, and we'll probably read the whole chapter later. But let's stay in all the word of God. You've been sitting just a while. In verse 10, it says, and it came to pass. Once heard a black preacher preach that on radio. That's all he preached. It came to pass. It was good. It says, it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you, dear God, for the history. And well, we can get caught up in that where we don't even preach this morning. And God, I dare not do that because we're here for the word of God and to magnify the Lord and, and to honor you, Lord. And we thank you, God, that this is your church. Uh, as I've often prayed, I take my hands off of it. Uh, Lord, you're the founder and you're the Alpha Omega of Whitfield Baptist Church. And Lord, your word's so important, Lord, that we need to preach it. And I pray to God that you'd use this simple message and God, this series on how to enjoy and know the will of God. Lord, if we miss the will of God, we missed it all. God, I'm glad I didn't miss the will of God coming to this church. I'm glad I didn't miss the will of God and married somebody out of the will of God. But Lord, you sent me Miss Connie. And Lord, I thank you, dear God, for all the times that God, you've brought this church through the valley and through problems and trials and God you've blessed and Lord we know it's the will of God for your church to go on and Lord to do great things for you and all your glory and so Lord please touch our hearts and God help us to realize the privilege and honor it is to live day by day in the will 
of God. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just review real quick, or not review, but I'll give you a forecast of the series that I'm going to start. I love series because I know where I'm going the next week. Amen. That's why I preach through the Bible. But number one, we need to win the warfare over temptation. Um, Joseph is a beautiful type of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never see anything negative about Joseph. Joseph is a great type of the Lord. And um, many, many comparisons to Joseph and the Lord. But also, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 30 and verse 21 that we ought to worship day by day. Folks, I want to tell you something. The only time you worship is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning and then you click it off, you're never going to be in the will of God. The will of God is for you to worship day by day. And then also, uh, thirdly, we ought to willingly obey the word of God day by day. That's found in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 18. Read it later now. And then, of course, y'all know the, the Lord's Prayer, but it says, give us day by day our daily bread. There ought to be wholehearted dependence upon God every day, day by day. And then the most important one, and probably sums it up, and uh, I thought uh, Stephen was going to get on this, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter Forward, I want you to go there, please, because that'll sum up how to overcome temptation, which is the message this morning. But Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, uh, just great message, just preached out of that. I appreciate it. I can't think of a better uh, anniversary message than the temple and the eternal. What we're doing here today is eternal, and you you just don't know how grateful I am for you being here and encourage me and listen to my son and. And just being faithful, but the Bible says in First uh, Corinthians chapter, or Second Corinthians, excuse me, chapter four, and look at verse sixteen. It says, "For which cause we faint not." A lot of people fainted over the years, but through our outward man perish. How many's getting older? Raise your hand, okay, if you can. Yet the inward man is renewed. Here it is, day by day. Say Amen, right there. And look at verse seventeen. For our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, we just heard a great message on that, but I want you to know, friend, day by day, you need to let the Holy Spirit renew your spirit. And if, it's, if you're not filled with the Spirit of God, and the word of God, I promise you, you're out of the will of God. It's the will of God for you not only to be saved, but sanctified. And not only sanctified, but filled with the spirit of God to overflowing. God wants to use your little old life day by day. And I want to say this, friend. I'm getting on up there. I'll be 70 in June. Can y'all believe that? Amen. I can't believe that. The 40th, I saw a picture of a 40th anniversary of the picture. We'll show those pictures later because we can't put them out because of this pandemic it's junk. But um, uh, I thought 40th birthday, boy, that was tough. I mean, I, I didn't handle it too well, did I, hon? I'm talking to my wife. Okay, I, you know, I don't think I handled it too good because I thought, man, 40 years. Oh, well, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I think Vacation Bible School's uh, plan for the week of my birthday, y'all ain't going to see me around here, amen? I'll be 70 years old. But I want to tell you something. Every day has been an adventure. Every day in the will of God's a blessing. 
every day in the will of God is an opportunity of a lifetime to seize that opportunity and do something for God and not your little old self. Folks, I want to tell you something. People are imploding because they're living for themselves out of the will of God and by the flesh they're trying to operate when we can day by day be yielded and filled with the Spirit of God. Now that brings me to my message, my first, my first uh, message on the day by day knowing and loving and being fruitful in the will of God. As we see in Genesis chapter 39, several days ago, Joseph was favored son. Go back to Genesis 39. We'll cover the whole chapter in about 20 minutes. But uh, several days ago, Joseph was favored son in his home, and now he's a humiliated slave. The trip into Egypt was probably a nightmare in Joseph's life, suffering bondage and chains and ropes and thirst and mockery and abuse and scourging. And upon arrival in Egypt, he was sold to Potiphar. That's the captain of the Pharaoh's bodyguard. And Joseph has been enrolled into God's school of hard knocks. How many has been through some of that? Amen. And folks, God was about to knock the rough edges off Joseph, polish him like diamonds, and Joseph was broken on the anvil of adversity. Circumstances were not the greatest for Joseph. Maybe some of you think you've been rained on this week or this month or this year, but he did not let them control him. And the situation looked bleak, but God was still with Joseph. And I want you to notice, if you, if you will, chapter 37 and 38, the parenthesis of uh, the shame of Judah given into sexual sins. And maybe it's a prelude to uh, chapter 39 where we see the victory over those temptations. And we see that he learned to forgive. Folks, you need to learn to forgive. You need to give short accounts. I want to say this, most preachers leave every three to five years because they get bitter, bitter. Uh, they get hurt. People don't follow their program. It's not our program, it's God's program, amen? It's the will of God to see people saved and for you to take the gospel and for you to grow and be a disciple of Christ, amen? And so we see this humiliation um, as he went from the favored son to the foreign slave. And but God prospered Joseph. Look at verse uh, look at the verse first six verses of uh, Genesis 39 to set the stage for this. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar and the officers of Pharaoh, captain of the guard of Egypt, and brought him to the hands of the Ishmaelites, which was brought him down hither, thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. I want you to underline that. And the Lord was with Joseph. You said it don't look like it. I mean, he's in a, he sold as a slave. His own brothers sold him out. Uh, he's about to go into a temptation that's beyond imagination from Potiphar's wife. But he says, the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And look at verse three. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. There it is again. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in the sight, and he served in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over the house of all that he had, and he put into his hands. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. 
How about that? You're in the will of God, you're just a blessing. You stay in the will of God, and God's going to use you to be fruitful. Look at this. And it goes on to say, and Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in his house and in his field. Potiphar's house was blessed because here is a man that was in the will of God day by day. Look at verse 6. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not all he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and a well-favored. The goodly means handsome. Well-favored means he was well-favored in the grace of God. And folks, he'd been uh, well-favored many years uh, with it by his parents, by Potiphar. Uh, folks, he was a man that was favored with a number of people in even Egypt, and the Pharaohs showed him favor. All the people of Egypt favored him because he, he kept them from starving. But look at this in verse 7. Here's the story. And it came to pass, after these things, that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. And he refused. I got refused underlined. And he said to his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not that it was with me in this house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. And there, and there is none greater in this house than I. Neither has he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, our text, as he spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about the time that Joseph went to the house to do his business, there was none of the men of the house there within. And she called him by his garment and said, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hands, and he fled and got him out. It came to pass when he saw that he had left the garments in her hand and was fled, that she called unto the men of the house and spake unto them, saying, See, he has brought in an Hebrew into us to mock us. Talking about his, her husband. He came into me to lie with me and I cried with a loud voice and it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garments with me and fled and got, his, got him out. And listen to this. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake in him according to these words saying, the Hebrew servant which thou hast brought into us came into, to me to mock me it came to pass as he lifted up his voice and cried that he left his garments with me and, and fled out. She's lying. But look at verse 19. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which he spake unto him, saying, After this matter did the servant to me that wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. I'm going to stop right there for sake of time. But I want you to see this terrible temptation. And folks... Joseph had been favored by his parents and Potiphar and then this powerful wife and the Pharaoh and the people and everything was going good. But then verse 7 tells us that he was tempted. Now I want to say this, the first mention of day by day is the lesson that we need to win the warfare over temptation. And I just want to show you the anatomy of temptation so you can recognize the devil's uh, I'm going to tell you something. He tempts me all the time to be discouraged. I don't know about you. He tempts me sometimes to depend upon myself. That's pride. If he can't use pride, he'll use discouragement. Say amen. He tempts me a lot of times 
to feel sorry for myself. And there's a lot of sins like he tempts me to trust myself instead of God. And so there's a lot of temptations, not just sexual temptations. But I want you to see the anatomy of temptation. In verse 7 through 12, we see it. It's pain uh, cannot defeat you, then he'll send pleasure. If uh, persecution does not turn you from faith, then he'll send prosperity. And so the wrong choices lead to judgment, and righteous choices lead to blessings. We preached last Sunday night, I believe it was Sunday night, on the fear of the Lord. And one of the attributes of the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Proverbs 22, verse 4. But also one of the attributes of fear of the Lord is you turn from iniquity. Folks, you love God so much you don't want to disappoint him. Folks, separation is not just turning away from God and being against everything like a lot of independent Baptists are accused of. We turn to God in love. We turn to him in love. And folks, separations unto him say amen. It's holiness unto the Lord. And I want you to know, friend, here was a, a, a man of God that was being persecuted, but now he's prosperous. And now he's, he's trying to make some right choices. Your right choices will either bring blessings or your wrong choices will bring a curse. And so the real slave in this instance is Potter's, Potiphar's wife. She's a slave to her lust. She's a slave to her desires. And I want to just give you some secrets to resistance of temptation. Number one, authenticity in character. In verses two and three, we see the description that Joseph was a man of God. And he was a man that walked with God. And the Lord was with him. I want to tell you something. The greatest defense is a good offense. We walk with God. There's less space for the devil to intervene. Say amen. We need to commune with God. Our number one desire in life ought to be to seek the Lord and know the Lord. When Paul was saved, he had two great questions. Number one question was, who art thou? And then the next question was in, in Acts chapter 9, what would you have me to do? Folks, we need to know God. We need to have an intimate relationship with God. And folks, here is an authenticity of character. Joseph made the right decision because he was right with God. He'd spent time in God's word. Folks, he feared the Lord. Look at verse three. And the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And then we see in resisting temptation and day by day living victoriously is the is a right analysis. His analysis was correct. And look at uh, verse nine. The Bible says, there is none greater in this house than I. He's responding to Potiphar, uh, Potiphar's wife's attack and seduction. And it says, from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Folks, thou art his wife. That was a right analysis. I wish people would realize that today, amen? The devil tries to validate temptation by dignifying the robes. And folks, here was the, uh, his master's wife, not another slave. She had position and she had a proposition that sounded acceptable and permissible, but it was still sin. And it brings me to my third point. There's an accuracy. There's an accuracy in the assessment. 
He was accurate in his assessment. Joseph called sin, sin. Look at verse 6. The Bible says he was well favored. But then if you'll go on down, uh, the Bible says, uh, and he was a goodly person. That means he was handsome, but he was also uh, in the grace of God. And verse 10, the Bible says, and he came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that she hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And he said in verse 9, that's where I'm trying to get to, he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Sin against God. He had an accurate uh, description of what this was all about, a great wickedness. You know, I'm afraid to say that the day sin has been watered down. There's not just right and wrong, it's kind of marginal. And folks, sometimes we've got so used to the darkness, we've got used to it. And folks, we should not play around with sin or border sin. We ought to come out from among them, even abstain from the appearance of evil, as I preached on a couple of Wednesday nights ago. But folks, here is the, here's an accurate assessment. An accurate assessment is this is great, great wickedness. I want you to turn to Psalms 119, 104. Psalms 119, 104. I'm going to tell you something, if I could ever preach a message to help anybody, it's how to overcome temptation, because all of us have it. And I'm going to tell you something, one night of sin can ruin your whole life. One night of sin can forfeit me from being the pastor of this church. And many pastors have fallen to one night of sin because they had not an accurate assessment of what sin is, a great wickedness. Look at Psalms 119, please. And I want you to look at verse 104. Verse 104. I like 105 too, but I want you, I want to read to you 104. It says, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Folks, you ought to hate sin, but love the sinner. And you ought to hate what sin will do. Let me just say this, friend. Wisdom or the fear of God is seeing this world through God's eyes. But it's also seeing the end of sin. If you read Proverbs chapter 1 through 7, you'll see the ending verses of all those chapters talk about the end or results or fruit of sin. Paul Harvey, it's the rest of the story. It's page 2. The devil always shows you the front yard of sin, but never shows you the backyard of sin. The devil shows you the first chapter of sin, but never shows you the last chapter of sin. The devil shows you the lights and glamour of sin, but never shows you the darkness and loneliness of sin. The devil promises you a tuxedo and you end up in the rags of a mission somewhere. Folks, listen, we need to realize and have wisdom to accurately assess what God says about sin. He called sin, sin. The world calls adultery a fling or an alternate lifestyle. We need to call it what God calls it. It's a great sin, verse 9, against God. And then we see not only the accurate, he was accurate in his assessment, but he appreciated the appreciation for his master. I won't dwell on this just a moment, but verse 80 says, But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in this day, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. Folks, I want to say this. When we sin, we forget the sacred trust that God has put in our life to be his child. 
to glorify His name. And I want you to know, friend, marriage relationship is a sacred trust. Desire for the opposite sex uh, is a natural desire that uh, the Lord has put in our life. I said opposite sex. I don't want to go there. And folks, listen, we need to realize our testimony is that we love God. We love His Word. And folks, we need to appreciate what the Master has done in our life. If you're saved, you ought to live like it. Say amen. If you're saved, you ought to to act like it. Day by day, you ought to be reminded how God is good to you. Day by day, you ought to thank God for the ministry God's entrusted in your life. Day by day, you ought to thank God for all those kids on Wednesday night that look up to you when you drive that bus and when you teach that class. Day by day, deacons, you you ought to thank God that many people look up to you and say, there's a deacon that loves God. And folks, we need to have an accurate assessment. We need to have appreciation for the master. And then we need to have an adoration for the Lord. Joseph could not bear breaking God's heart. Look at verse 9. He said, do this great wickedness and sin against God. Sin against God. Folks, we we ought to love and adore God with all our heart. Amen. I thank God for that. Amen. We need to have an adoration for the Lord. Joseph could not bear to break God's heart. I want to say this, sin breaks God's heart. Folks, sin put Jesus on the cross. And folks, when you go to sin, you ought to picture Calvary. You ought to adore Calvary and the Lamb of God and say, Lord, I'm not going to do this because I love you and I adore you and I love you because you gave your life for my sin. And I don't want to live in it and live beneath my God-given prayer. Day by day, you ought to adore God. If you don't get anything out of this message, I want you to get this in closing. Every day is sweeter than the day before in the will of God. Day by day, you've got the greatest privilege on this earth, and that's to glorify, love, and adore the Lord God that saved you on that day he saved you. Don't ever get over being saved. And folks, the way you don't get over being saved has already been mentioned in the sermon at 10 o'clock. Just be faithful. Not to Wayne Cofield not just to Whitfield Baptist Church, but I'm talking about faithful to the Lord because he's your savior, I'm not. I mean, more people are faithful to the Super Bowl tonight and skip church, but I want to tell you something. None of those jaybirds, chiefs or bucks, died for you. They didn't arise for you. And they didn't save you. And so our first loyalty is the house of God, say amen. And I've been accused since these afternoon services that I have done that so we could go home and watch the Super Bowl. I don't know who would ever think that. I got a, I got a VCR. I just taped the thing, praise God. But the Falcons are never in it, so I could care less. And then when they're in it, Brother Alex, you know what happened. But I want to say this. I want you to adore the Lord more than you do athletes, more than you do politic, politicians, more than you do yourself. And folks, one of the ways you do that, day by day, you, you win the war against temptation. 
I believe this is the first mention of day by day. It must be significant, friend. If you're going to live in the will of God, you've got to learn how to deal with temptation. You need to deal with the flesh, the world, and the lust of it. Amen? You need to learn to deal with it and have victory, and victory brings glory to the overcomer. And so there needs to be an awareness for the Lord. Number six. Now look at verse nine. It says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Folks, he feared God. He practiced the presence of God. There's nothing that will keep you more like Jesus and more uh, um, separated and holy and loving God than knowing that God knows. That's the definition of the fear of God. God knows. I don't care how dark it is, God knows. I don't care how far out of town you go, God knows. I'm telling you, we need to practice his presence and know that he is an omniscient God that knows all about us. And folks, he knows when we're about to give in and succumb to the terrible temptations of this world. And so he has awareness. And then we see that he answered correctly. This is real deep. The Bible says in verse 8, and he refused. Joseph knew how to say yes to the Lord and no to sin. And may I say this, this is very, it's not very deep, but folks, this is very practical. You must say yes to the Lord before you'll say no to Satan. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Amen? Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. That is scriptural order. You'll never resist the devil until you draw nigh to God because you don't have the power to resist him. You don't have the power to say no. But I know one that does, amen? And I often give this silly illustration, but I don't think it's that silly. When the devil knocks at my door, I always love to say, Lord, I can't handle this. Would you please answer the door? And when he answers the door, I love to see the devil's face when the Lord answers the door, amen? He's at the wrong door. And so, folks, when he knocks at your heart's door and tries to get you to succumb to all the temptations of this world, pride, joy, lust of the flesh, vain glory, what you need to do is kneel at the foot of Jesus and say, dear God, I want to say yes to you. You're Lord of my life. And I want to say no to that sin. And then we see that he avoided temptation. And folks, the Bible says that he didn't position himself in the path of, of um, temptation, but the Bible says we ought to abstain from even the appearance of evil. Let me just say this. You fool around the fire long enough, you'll get burned. Amen. I mean, friend, listen, you, you cater on the top step, uh, you'll soon fall. Uh, the day Silas got, the, he got enamored about climbing steps over here, and I'll tell you what, he would not say no to those steps. I said, he's going to say no when he flips off the top one. And folks, babies, sometimes they want to conquer those steps, and they conquer it with their nose when they go do a nosedive. And folks, we need to abstain from the, even the appearance of evil. Then he absorbed himself in his work. The Bible says that he went back to his work, and I believe, folks, that we ought to have a, a path of, um, of faithfulness. I believe you get out of church, you're vulnerable. I believe you get out of the Word of God, you're vulnerable. I believe, friend, if you stop reading your Bible for one day that you've dropped your shield of faith, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, even if it's from your own heart. And, folks, day by day, we need to stay in the Word of God, day by day, we need to be dependent upon his strength, his guidance, his presence, and his power. 
And so, folks, I believe one of the greatest ways to overcome sin is stay active for God. Amen? You need to be in a position of responsibility around here, not just ride a pew, but you need to fill a pew for Jesus Christ's sake. And, folks, when you do, there's a lot of little eyes looking up to you, and it challenges you to learn more of the Word of God. Hey, folks, you want to learn the Bible? Teach a Bible class. You want to uh, learn uh, how God can bless? Run a bus route. To pick up little kids that have no hope and no chance in life unless they get to the house of God and you bring them and you pick them up and you make a difference in their life. Hey, he went back to work and we can apply that. It's folks, we need to say busy for God. He absorbed himself in the work of the Lord. Verse five says, and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house. He must have been a faithful worker. He must have been a wise worker. And oh, all that he had, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. He must have been the best worker he'd ever seen to hire a foreigner to over his, over his whole house. And then, you know, I believe, folks, that we also need to uh, be absorbed in the work of the Lord and, and um, walk with God. And when walking with God, that means you're ministering. He came into this world to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And folks, he came to seek and to save those that are lost. If you're walking with God, you're serving. If you're walking for God, you're trying to reach souls. God didn't call you to sit in a pew and soak it up. God called you to minister. God called you to overflow. Jesus never, hey, listen, the Holy Spirit never fills you for a feeling charismatic, he fills you to overflow. If you're filled with the Spirit of God, you are witnesses. Not that you might be a witness, but if you're filled with the Spirit of God, the witness is in your life. Just let him loose and let him go. As he said to Lazarus after he came up from the dead. Oh, folks, listen, it's wonderful to be in the will of God, but it's also wonderful to lead other people in the will of God. What better thing could you do for a person to help them get saved. Brother Randy, thank God. Sitting in a parking lot, a lost preacher's kid, and Brother Tony helped you get saved in the parking lot. Hallelujah. Brother Wallace was watching a football game on a Saturday afternoon. I knocked on his door. I said, what's the score? And he says, I don't know. And he was already under conviction. And he knelt down, and it wasn't halftime, and he, and he trusted the Lord as his Savior, and I see him in all these pictures smiling. He used to always laugh at me and say, you know, you've been on a diet since I've met you. That was his big thing. <laughs> Brother Bartonfield, I'll never forget the time he got saved and uh, his, he, was, he was sitting in his living room with a poodle dog in his lap. And I said, this guy didn't get saved. He'll at least pull the, push the poodle dog out of the way. And I said, would you like to be saved? He said, yes, sir. I said, would you really like to be saved? I thought, I want to see a little tear or something, you know. You really like to be saved, brother Lord. Yeah, I'd like to be saved. I said, would you like to be saved right now? He said, yeah, I think it'd be a good chance, a good time. I'll get saved. I said, okay, I'll lead you in the Lord. Do you mean it? Will you really mean it? You know, because <laughs> he was so, and he got saved. He asked the Lord to come his life with a black poodle laying in his lap. I said, I want to tell you something, brother Lamar, if you really mean business, the next Sunday, you're going to show up at that storefront. He'd been coming a few times. His wife, Fran, had been bringing him. 
And I remember I gave the invitation. I said, you know, he probably, he didn't show much emotion like I do. You know, you class people like looking at yourself a lot of times. And I'll never forget, I said, okay, we're going to start the invitation. As soon as I said the word invitation, I said, every head bowed, everybody closed. And we was in this little storefront. I sent somebody standing right in front of me. And I thought, glory to God, the presence of God is in this place. I feel like he's right in front of me. I was standing down front giving the invitation, and there's, there's somebody right in front of me. And I finally ended the prayer. I looked up, and there was Brother Moore. said, I'm ready to make it public like you told me to. I got saved, you know. I said, oh, I remember, Brother. I, I believe you gloriously got saved. And he made it public, got baptized, and became my soul winning partner. Now he's in heaven. He's in heaven. I said, he's in heaven. You, you want to see the worth of the ministry? Just look at all these people that got saved through the ministry of Whitfield Baptist Church where it's the will of God, and they're in heaven. They're not screaming and screaming day by day in the, in the, in the darkness and horror of hell. They're in heaven. So everything you do in the will of God counts. You ought to be absorbed in the will of God. And then we see he was adamant about doing right. In verse 7, the Bible says this. Uh, he was tempted to lie with her. And, and the Bible says in verse 8, but he refused. Let me just say this. His mind was made up. I want to challenge you tonight to make your mind up. Daniel 1.8 says, and they purposed in their heart. I have this little thing about discipline. I believe we ought to purpose to be faithful. I believe we ought to be purpose, we ought to purpose to be holy. I believe we ought to do some things on purpose, and if we don't do things on purpose, we'll never do them. I mean, if you just go by your little old feelings and float around and, and you know, just, you know, whatever will be, will be, and I hope it don't happen, but here I go just floating and swimming through life, merry as you go. No, you need to get up every morning with purpose. When you got saved, you received a purpose. And that purpose was to glorify God, say amen. Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that we all know that all things work together. This is great commentary on the book of Genesis in Joseph's life. We know that all things work together. And then verse 29 of Romans says that you're predestined foreordained to be like him. Well, you're not predestined foreordained to be saved or lost, Calvinists. You're predestined once you're saved to be like him and God uses all kinds of stuff to make you more like him. So the will of God is that all trouble makes you more like God. All trials make you more like God. All tribulation makes you more like God. He's refining the edges. He's smelting the gold. He's crushing the perfume. I'm saying, folks, all things work together. Together, how? In your life as you respond. And so Joseph said, hey, here's a challenge. This lady, and I believe she was a beautiful lady because the devil never, you know, would tempt him with some hag, some ugly person. But he said, I refuse. The devil is vigorous day by day. Look at our text. And she spake to Joseph day by day. It didn't work the first time, so here she goes. Every time he showed up, lie with me, lie with me. I'm sure she probably dressed seductively. 
That's right. I believe she was luring him with the flesh. And all men that are right are lured by the eyes. That's why, ladies, you need not attract somebody with the flesh. Attract them with your spirit. I taught my girls this, and uh, Amy and Stephanie can testify to this. Stephanie's here. Amy's 7,000 miles. She, you better be listening. And she's listening on her birthday. I told him, I said, attract a man spiritually and you'll have something. You attract him physically, they'll find somebody else and go to that person. And folks, it's worked. They have great husbands, patient husbands. Praise God. And Amy's a patient wife. Mark's drug her all over the world, Miss Burnell. I'm not criticizing your son. I love him. And folks, it's a wonderful relationship because the relationship is based on what can we do to see souls saved, not what we can do for ourselves. And so folks, day by day, Joseph never let down his guard. Why did he not let down his guard? He refused up front. He purposed in his heart. And friend, when you read the Bible, you ought to purpose to be like Christ and purpose to be holy and purpose to realize that when the lust comes and when the temptation comes, and yes, it will, be like Jesus. I want you to see this. I've only got tw- uh, one more point, 11 points. That's something, man, 11 points on Manniversary Sunday. I've got a lot of nerve just showing up for this. But look at this. I want you to see that he, he was not only adamant about doing right, purpose, determined, up front. He had the character of Christ on his soul. But he abandoned the temptation. He abandoned the temptation. Look at verse 12. I love this verse. And she called him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and what's the next word class? Fled. And got him out. I see, friend, that he abandoned the temptation. Joseph got himself out when nobody else could. Hey, don't stare and study temptation. Because it'll memorize you. It'll, it'll lure you. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, 22, Flee also youthful lust. He got up and fled. I call this, and I wish I'd brought my tennis shoes, tennis shoe sanctification. Folks, it takes more courage, more guts, more conviction to run from sin and and not delve in sin. Folks, I want to tell you something. It takes the will of God, and it takes the grace of God, and it takes the word of God, and it takes the spirit of God for us to stay pure. Come on, say amen. Don't we live in a wicked and perverse generation? Everything's okay as long as you get away from it, get away with it. But folks, he fled. He fled. Day by day, you're going to be tempted. Don't flee from God's presence. Definitely don't flee flee from God's will. Run to the shelter of his wings, under his wings, the lady that wrote that song sung that song in this church about 20 years ago. She's from Cahutta, under his wings. We need to flee to the shelter of his wings. We need to cleave to him. 
We need to resist the devil, but we'll never resist the devil until we draw nigh to God and he draw nigh to him. So what we're doing here in this church is very important. It's eternal, yes, as Stephen Sparry preached. And folks, I want you to know there's some insights about temptation that I'll close with. The temptation comes a lot of times after victory, after a mountaintop experience. Sometimes when we are the most vulnerable, it's when we just experience some great victory. I should have made that a lot bigger. But anyway, thank God that, folks, we can keep our guard up even when things are going good because if the devil can't use um, persecution, he'll use prosperity. And, folks, a lot of times right after a great service, we're tempted to get in a fuss with our wife on the way home or the kids ride in the back seat. And we lose everything that we got in a great service. Folks, we're tempted after a great victory. Then too, the most powerful temptation uh, came, came when he was caught off guard uh, or surprised. We're to walk circumspectly and not be surprised. You need to take this message to heart. You will be tempted. Third of all, severe temptation may come from those closest to us. She, she, sometimes the closest people to us tempt us the most to get in the flesh. Can somebody say amen? Like a wife. I didn't mean that, honey. A wife or a husband or children can get us in the flesh. And then temptation comes in beautiful packages. I believe Potiphar's wife was very attractive. But she happened to be one of hell's angels. And temptation, here's the point of the whole message, came repeatedly. Folks, it tries to satisfy your curiosity uh, again and again and again. He, he appeals to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That happened in Genesis 3, and it happened in Matthew chapter 4. And it's, it warns us in 1 Timothy 2.15, don't give in to those three strategies of Satan. Then the temptation, went, temptation came when Joseph was away from home. Well, you've got to be careful about being away from home. Got to be careful, parents, about being away from home too much. And then the temptation comes in an opportune time. No one was around. You know, the devil sets up amazing situations for you to sin. You need to be aware of that. But thank God, the Lord sets up amazing situations for you to be saved. How about the thief? He's dying next to Jesus. What an amazing situation for grace. And I want to say this, and I'm going to close. I close and close and close. Sometimes it starts with imagination. That's why pornography is so wicked. It starts with imagination. That's why it's so wicked to flirt with the opposite sex in sexual ways. But then level two is investigation. Our feet are affected. Our eyes are affected. Our feet are affected. And then our hands, it starts, it goes on to involvement. And then we're mobilized to sin. The devil has a strategy. And that strategy is to get you to fall. And I preach this with three fingers pointing back at me. I do not want to end wrong. I do not want these 43 years to be forfeited over the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And I'm not exempt from it, and neither are you. And so what's the key to the will of God? 
Number one, to win the warfare. Put that first slide back up. To win the warfare over temptation. Day by day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to preach against sin, but to love the sinner. And Lord, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And thank you, dear God, for the warning for us to be faithful to our mates, to our children, to our church, but most important of all, God, to our Lord. Lord, we love you. I can't say, I can't say, but in this plain way, I just love the privilege of pastoring this church. I love the privilege you've given me to be the under-shepherd to a flock. I love the privilege of preaching the Word of God. Even in the heartache times and the heartbreak times, God, I thank you that I can represent you and be your shepherd. And so, Lord, I want to stay pure. And I want to stay in the will of God. And, Lord, I need this truth about day by day. I need to walk with you. I need to read my Bible. I need to pray. I need to seek your face. I need to draw nigh to you, and you promised you'd, you'd draw nigh to me that I can resist the devil and he will flee. That I can humble myself in the sight of the Lord and you will lift me up. Not as some great statesman, not some great uh, celebrity in the pulpit, but God, you would lift me up as a man of God a man that lives for God, a man that's pure, a man that loves his wife and loves his children. God, that's our prayer this morning. And I pray for every individual in this room. It's no accident they happen to hear this message. God, it's a divine warning from heaven. But also, Lord, it's a divine recipe from heaven to know and experience and love and be fruitful in the will of God day by day. With every head bowed, every eye closed, have me say, preacher, this morning, I just want to be in the will of God. And I want to start not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but every day I want to wake up and I want purpose in my heart to read my Bible, to pray, to listen to the right kind of music. That'll affect you. Hey, be with the right company, the right people, that'll definitely affect you. And you said, that is my purpose in my heart is I want to know the will of God, I want to love the will of God, and I want to experience the will of God by drawing nigh to God every day, day by day. Is that your prayer this morning? Would you lift your hand high for prayer? God bless you all over this place. And some of you that's been out of the will of God, you know how miserable it is. I visited some of you in jail. I visited some of you at the, the lowest part of your life and now you're sitting in church rejoicing with the Lord, smile on your face, happily. Praise God for the will of God and praise God you didn't quit and praise God you didn't give up on yourself or God and you got back up and repented and asked God to forgive you and now you're in the will of God. You ought to rejoice in that fact. Wait a minute, others, don't you ever drop your guard. Thank you, Rick
Is there anyone here to say, Preacher, I'm not saved? I had Brother Tom Lancaster call me yesterday and say, Preacher, you know I had a stroke or I'd be at your anniversary Sunday. And I just want to let you know I'm praying for the service. I'm praying for you. I said, thank you, Brother Tom. I'm praying somebody will get saved. So I'm going to give the invitation like this. Have me say, I know that I'm saved. I know it's the will of God that I'm saved. If I died today, I know I'd go to heaven. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that all over this place? Put your hands down. Several cannot raise your hand and you'd say, Preacher, I'm just not absolutely sure. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There ought to be one thing you ought to be absolutely sure about, that you're going to heaven and not hell, that you're in the will of God and not living for yourself. And you'd say, Preacher, I couldn't raise my hand, but I want you to pray for me. Oh, I want you to pray for me that I'd be saved before it's too late. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer and then back down? Anyone? I'll not come to you, not embarrass you. I want to give you this chance to be saved. I want to pray for you. Anyone? All hearts clear? I see that hand. God bless you, buddy. Thank you for listening. Somebody else? I'm not sure I'm saved, but I sure would like to be. Pray for me. Anybody else? One's raised their hand. How about you? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your will. Thank you for your word. And thank you for the spirit that equips us to live in that will. May we yield to you day by day is our prayer. God be with every person that raised their hand. Represents a soft, pliable, submissive heart. God, I pray that you'd use them for your glory day by day. In Jesus' name we pray.